Now, more tips with your host, Rebecca Rogers. Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. Thank you so much for joining us today on Lifestyle Improvement for part three of our interview with Dr. Alice Honig. Dr. Honig is a psychologist and a professor emerita at Syracuse University. She has presented her work in early childhood development, childcare, and education nationwide and in many countries around the world. Her contributions to the field have included research, academia, and advocacy and training for parents and caregivers. Since the 1960s, Dr. Honig has been involved in the study of child development, quality of infant-toddler care, iron deficiency in infants, parent-child relationships, children's social development, and the effects of poverty in children. For over 45 years, Dr. Honig has authored and edited more than a dozen books and more than 600 articles and chapters. Two of those books are Little Kids, Big Worries, Stress-Busting Tips for Early Childhood Classrooms, and more recently, Best for Babies, Expert Advice for Caregivers and Administrators in Assessing Infant-Toddler Programs. And now, here is our guest, Dr. Alice Honig, and our host, Rebecca Rogers. And then a lot of parents use a tool called time out. You know that, Rebecca. So go to your room, go sit in the chair. If you have been taught to use that tool, I would like to point out that you can use it if you really feel so stressed yourself. And try to use it not as a time out, but a teach in time. What is the child learning? You know, Dennis the Menace cartoons, his mother always sits him in a corner in every Sunday comics that I read very assiduously. I love the Sunday comics. They teach you what the world is like. But does she ever say to Dennis the Menace, this is what I was worried about, I statement. And if you sit here for a while, then it's a learning place and it's a thinking chair, sweetheart. And you can think about what happened and then tell me how you could do it differently or think about it differently. I never see that in the Dennis and the Menace thing. That's why he always goes down the block because the lady down the block gives him cookies. She's very nurturing to him. I'll never forget one of the cartoons where he went down the block, Dennis the Menace, and he had a present for her. It was the toy in his Cracker Jack box because she was so good to him. I loved that. In a childcare, when you're going to look for childcare, you want to use all of the tools that I've said in my Best for Babies book. But you also want to make sure there's a place where if your child is vulnerable and a very sensitive child, because some kids are far more sensitive than others, is there a place where the teachers can still see that child, like a cubby hole or even a box that you've taken from a TV set and put some soft cloths on the inside and pasted them in, where that kid can sit and watch for a while and not have to be part of that group for eight hours a day while you're at your work environment. Because sometimes kids need a breather. I'll never forget at our center, which was in a church basement, one of the kids was four and a half. Thank God we had somebody at the front door. He's walking out of the church basement, up the stairs and out. And so we, he was stopped and we asked him, what's the matter, Johnny? And he said, the teachers are too much for me. That's how some kids feel some of the time. That's why I say we need a space where we can still see them. And one of the uh, wonderful daycares I visited in Washington, D.C., the parents had taken tree poles, put them in buckets of sand, and put a gauze on top, and the kids had 
put little stars from a package of, you know, stars that you can paste on top. And then books were piled near it. And if they needed to just breathe slowly, they had their own space. They'd all, the parents and the caregivers had created. I guess that was one of the best spaces, not a TV box, not a cubby hole, but I just loved that, Rebecca. I thought it was a marvelous place. I just want to mention bibliotherapy, reading stories, telling stories. If a kid is stressed because you're in a restaurant that's taking a long time to serve and your kid has an empty tummy, you know what will happen. They'll eat up all the bread in the bread basket. Then you'll get mad at them because you just spent 15 bucks on their dinner. And then you'll say, why didn't you eat? You ordered that. Mommy didn't. We gave you your choice. Blah, blah, blah. And those are you accusatories, one after another. If you hear a you accusatory, you feel defensive. You do all the Freudian defense mechanism. You get mad and you want to say something like one kid, when she said, you're a mean kid to have done that when we spend so much money on your dinner. She said, no, you're a mean mommy. I listen when I go to a restaurant. I, I, I try to tune in to things. So I can tell you, kids are sometimes feisty. So uh, it's really important to use Tell a story or make up a story about when you were a baby or a story about a kid like you who was scared of doggies and what happened. So those things are important, how to use your storytelling skills. Those were incredibly informative and great suggestions on things that a parent can do in order to help their child or even a teacher or caregivers in general. So thank you for that. That's powerful information. What I would like to have you share with us next is what about if actually the parent or the teacher are having difficulties themselves coping with stress? What can parents and caregivers do for themselves to be better able to cope with stress? Rebecca, that's such an important question because I was once at a workshop for teen mothers. And so these young teens were so beautiful. And when somebody at lunchtime, everybody goes out, but one person stays, I knew there was something worrying her. And she said, Dr. Honig, teach me not to smack and beat up on my nine month old. And she was such a beautiful young teen mother. And for her, the stress of having a baby when she was still supposed to be in school and her own parent being disapproving and saying, go take care of your accident at night, quote unquote. So she couldn't handle it right away at all. I had to say, put your baby in the crib when you feel these very strong, huge anger, and then go under the covers and rock yourself. Go to your icebox and take your favorite ice cream and just feed yourself. Put on some music that has very soft, soothing sounds, music that you know can calm you down, or even as music where the words tell you some sorrow that you've had. But in general, if you find yourself getting really mad at your kid and your teeth are going like this and your foot is tapping, first try to figure out, can I just breathe? And breathing out, if you try it right now, Rebecca, you'll see it makes your shoulders go down. It relaxes you. So I try to teach everybody who comes in, kids and grownups, breathing tech, yoga breathing techniques so they can bring down stress. Then the other thing is use that Sherlock Holmes, think about temperament, triggery, impulsive, slow to warm up. Think about any troubles. Maybe he's just hungry because you've been shopping much longer than you thought you needed to be. And then if you're a caregiver, what happened in the morning before that child came? Did she need to pee and she's just recently toilet trained, but older sister was in the bathroom too long and she peed 
in her night diaper and they got mad at her. It could be something little like that. It doesn't have to be some deep terror from the past. So you need to be the best Sherlock Holmes you can be. Another thing for a grown-up is if you realize that you weren't treated so well in the past, so lovingly as you wish you would have, treat your child lovingly the way you wish in some mystical sense. You, the child within you, the child within you still, and we all have a little kid within, would love to have been treated. Another thing is find delight in plants, in flowers, in beauty. Little kids, if you have a fish tank in a center, I've seen a two-year-old look at me and say, teacher, shishies, because he couldn't say the fricative for F, fishies. And his face was alight with the joy. I think that's really important to look for beauty. There's an awful lot of horror in our world. Tsunamis, killing children with gas bombs, bombing cities where people are brutalized. But if we look for beauty, and then allow our whole body to take that in. Beautiful music, it can almost make goose pimples and it will relax you so you can handle whatever's handling, uh, whatever's happening better. The other one is write in a journal. If you really feel the anger is getting, see if you can go back in time and find out where did some of my angers come from? I think that perfectionism is something a lot of parents suffer from. They think there's something like a perfect daddy or a perfect mom or a perfect grandparent, and there is not. Just like there's no perfect kid, no perfect anybody. So if you let go of having to have the perfect meal ready on time, or the kid had a perfect day because you meant to take him outside and the weather was gorgeous, what if you meant to take him outside and a rain cloud came or it snowed and you had to change all your plans? What else could you do? So you have to be flexible and creative and forgive yourself. If you did yell once, say I'm sorry to a kid. Like one mother said, I'm glad you taught me that because I thought it was my bigger one being a bully to my littler one. And I found out the little one went in the big one's room and knocked down what he was constructed with Legos. And I was yelling at the big one and I had to go in and tell him I was really sorry. Thank you for teaching me that. So sometimes we need to say we're sorry to a spouse or a kid because don't we make a wrong hypothesis about what was happening. This is your host, Rebecca, and now we will take a short break, and we will be right back with more ideas on lifestyle improvement. As a caregiver, you spend your days caring for the needs of someone else. But what are you doing to help yourself? In our Caregiver Survival 101 workshop, we teach you the self-help skills that will empower you to be healthier and more productive. Do you feel tired, overwhelmed, have difficulty sleeping? Do you feel isolated? All this could be signs of caregiver stress. Chronic stress can impact your health adversely and ultimately cause irreversible and unwanted physical problems. Take a step towards your own personal care. A healthy caregiver is a better caregiver. You owe it to yourself and your loved ones to do what is needed to stay healthy today. Go to www.caregiversurvival101.com. That again is www.caregiversurvival101.com. And discover how we can help you help yourself. Or call 877-957-7387, extension 101. That again is 877-957-7387, extension 101. Caregiver Survival 101, because care starts with you. 
if there was a way to help your struggling child perform better academically? Would you pick up the phone and call? Lysol Improvement Occupational Therapy Services in Puyallup, Washington, supports wellness and optimal educational performance. Instead of just reteaching information, we endeavor to identify the possible root causes for your child's learning difficulties. We offer targeted testing to assist in the creation of an individualized plan and provide you with the brain training tools that can help improve academic performance. Visit our website at www.lifestyleimprovement.com or give us a call today at 877-957-7387, extension 101. That again is 877-957-7387, extension 101. For an initial free phone consultation, Lifestyle Improvement Occupational Therapy. We're ready to partner with parents and to help your child succeed. Sometimes I ask a child, you seem so worried, honey. If I had to have a magic wand and you could tell your daddy or your mommy with a magic wand what you would like to change so life would be better for you, what would the magic wand tell them if it could talk to them? So I have a little silver wand in my office and they can put it on a picture they've drawn or on a doll for doll play or just tell me, talking and often do you know what they say Rebecca I wish my daddy mommy grandpa would pay attention to my feelings I get that so much pay attention and care about my feelings little kids well we know that's important before you get married I hope somebody does understand your feelings but here children are and sometimes I'll say, could you say that to daddy or mommy? No, you say that, doctor, because they're still too worried to say that. The stress is too great. Could that person understand that little child's feelings? So I want to say also, bring up your own endorphins. You know endorphins are wonderful for you. And what do you see on the email all the time? Do exercise, go bike riding, you know, go swimming, go skiing, go, you know, running, do something, take a long walk, walk around the block as fast as you can. One teenager was so marvelous. His father had committed suicide in front of him and he was in foster care. And he said to me that when he went swimming in the neighbor's pool down south, if he chopped the water with his hands, he felt much better. It chopped out all the bad feelings. I thought that was amazing. He also told me if he rode a bike around the block a lot of times till he was allowed. See, kids teach us. So he showed two things that we know physiologically raise the endorphins in the brain. He didn't know that, but he found two things for himself for all the agony he'd gone through. Wasn't that beautiful for a teenager to be that emotionally smart? And the last things I want to say is commit random acts of kindness. If you see something that your child does, you say, or anybody's child. I was at a zoo where a kid was obviously playing hooky from school and mom was sitting with a baby looking very sad and tired and he was being so patient. I said, you know, you're such a helpful big brother because mom is sitting here looking tired and you're being so quiet and patient because she's holding your ba the baby. I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl in her arms. You are a big helper for your mom. And you could see his shoulders and his whole chest just, I'm a big helper. That's what the lady said. Just random acts of kindness when you see something. None of this good job business. Something very specific. 
built your tower three blocks tall, sweetheart. That's more than one block, more than two blocks. It's three blocks tall. I don't care what the neighbor's child can do, honey bunch. Your kid just did three blocks. And you mentioned him one, two, three. He's learning to count from you while you're saying something. Commit random acts of specific kindness and keep your own joy pipes open for joy, for your own personal joy, whether it's a new song by that you never heard that the Beatles had, they just found or something, whatever it is, or some new person that whose songs you love. And you really need to keep joy pipes open because a lot of older folks, I've seen it, I've done it, I've heard that, I can't stand this anymore. Look what my kid's done for the umpteenth time. But if you keep your own joy pipes open, you might not be quite as stressed when something difficult happens and know where to go when things are really in bad trouble. Know the professional places you can get help. Thank you for asking that question. That's such an important one. And may I say that you have truly developed on that subject beautifully and in depth. This is the mission that we have in our program, to provide caregivers with tools. And the tools that you're talking about are tools that I've used myself. And it's so wonderful to have you validate those things as a professional helping caregivers, teachers, and parents out there, all the way from nurturing yourself at the sensory level so that you understand yourself so you can help then your children and those that you love and care for, to being able to address the issues that are surrounding you in a more positive way. Forgiving yourself. If you were a very naughty kid, well, you caused a lot of troubles when you were a teenager. You know what? Say it, write it, and then walk two miles to an imaginary garbage can and throw it away because you're no longer a teen or a grown-up now. Forgive yourself and ask God to forgive you because if you hold that in all the time, you might even project it outward that your kid is naughtier than he is when he's just developmentally being his stage kid, you know? So being a forgiving person, being a person who finds beauty and joy, find a person breathing, and finding things that give you pleasure in life and bring up your endorphins, those are important things. I always ask my guest to leave the listeners with one gem. Learning to love yourself and to try deeply to understand what might be happening here. And even if it's something in a child in your care in, and you're a caregiver that's very compulsive or very aggressive, if you can find something that's positive with a child. Like one, one teacher said, this one exasperates me too much. You say we should find something positive, Dr. Honey. I can't. And you can see by her teeth that this one child in her class, and I said, how does he nap at nap time? And she looked at me and she said, he sleeps very well. I say, are there other children that are tense and lie awake for quite a while before they can fall asleep? Yeah then you can say, boy, you are so good, a deep sleeper at nap time. You know that positive thing that I said we need to say, how does he eat? Boy, he eats. Okay. Do you see, we really need find the good the way you hope God finds the good in each of us. Don't we all feel that even when we've done something we maybe shouldn't have by somebody's laws or another, okay? But we find something that is positive and try to work with that and use body loving as much as possible. Touch, our skin is the biggest organ we have, Rebecca. It's the largest, even our lungs and our liver and all of our 
internal things are not as big. Kids love touch, loving touch. And some of them will go like this in a daycare because they really wanted you to say, oh, come here and sit by me and lean up against me. And they were acting stressed and naughty just so they would get a chance to lean up against your body. Maybe if you noticed that ahead of time, you could have avoided that stress for you and for the other kids and for this child who was just reprimanded by saying, you know, Johnny, you come sit by me while we're... And you know what? The Lord gave us two big places here and two big places under our arms. So if you're a caregiver of four infants or toddlers, you can really sing a song or tell a story or read a book with four kids because you can put the book on your lap and you can have... Four kids on the floor, just leaning against you. And once a kid can feel your body, I don't know if you remember the old Greek myth where when Hercules took this god and kept him up in the air because he was a child of Mother Earth, he lost his strength. The Greek myths are interesting, Rebecca. Once he lost his strength because he couldn't touch Mother Earth, Hercules could beat him. Interesting. The old myths sometimes have things to teach us. Loving touch is a fantastic soother of hurts for grown-ups and for children. Absolutely. Beautifully said. So that is truly a gem that to find the good in the relationship and to not be afraid of giving a loving hug. And I send you a cyber hug right now, Dr. Hahn. <laughs> that beautiful smile that you have, oh, Rebecca. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, Dr. Hanek, if someone has questions for you, is there a way that they can get a hold of you? Do you teach classes? Do you want to expand a little bit on that? Look on Amazon for Best for Babies book, or they can look for the Little Kids Big Worries book, or they can look for my Behavior Guidance book, or they can look for any of the Honig books that probably Amazon still uh, still has lots of them. And, uh, and also, my email is ahonig at syr.edu. If someone really has a worry that they think they need personally to write about, I will, I will answer them. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Honig. It has been wonderful to hear all of this very interesting and powerful information on this very important subject of stress for children and child-parent-caregiver relationships. And we have just heard Dr. Alice Honick. She is the author of a myriad of books, among them the book titled Little Kids Big Worries, Stress-Busting Tips for Early Childhood Classrooms, and Best for Babies, expert advice for caregivers and administrators in assessing infant-toddler program. To purchase any of our books, you can go to Amazon.com or get more information from our website, LifestyleImprovementRadio.com. Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. What if 
there was a way to help your struggling child perform better academically, would you pick up the phone and call? Lysol Improvement Occupational Therapy Services in Puyallup, Washington, supports wellness and optimal educational performance. Instead of just reteaching information, we endeavor to identify the possible root causes for your child's learning difficulties. We offer targeted testing to assist in the creation of an individualized plan and provide you with the brain training tools that can help improve academic performance. Visit our website at www.lifestyleimprovement.com or give us a call today at 877-957-7387, extension 101. That again is 877-957-7387, extension 101, for an initial free phone consultation. Lifestyle Improvement Occupational Therapy. We're ready to partner with parents and to help your child succeed. Thank you so much for joining us today on Lifestyle Improvement for part three of our interview with Dr. Alice Honig. Dr. Honig is a psychologist and a professor emerita at Syracuse University. She has presented her work in early childhood development, childcare, and education nationwide and in many countries around the world. Her contributions to the field have included research, academia, and advocacy and training for parents and caregivers. Since the 1960s, Dr. Honig has been involved in the study of child development, quality of infant-toddler care, iron deficiency in infants, parent-child relationships, children's social development, and the effects of poverty in children. For over 45 years, Dr. Honig has authored and edited more than a dozen books and more than 600 articles and chapters. Two of those books are Little Kids, Big Worries, Stress-Busting Tips for Early Childhood Classrooms, and more recently, Best for Babies, Expert Advice for Caregivers and Administrators in Assessing Infant-Toddler Programs. Thank you so much for joining us today here on Lifestyle Improvement. And don't forget to join your host, Rebecca Rogers, again next Sunday morning at 7.30 for more tips on lifestyle improvement.